engages Makai, who's scored the only goal of the game. Mikey Anderson, shot, score! You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the LA Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Well, I was going to record an entire intro that had nothing to do with the playoff games going on, but I have to get this off my chest or my head is going to explode. I'm going to repeat myself here for the umpteenth time. Happiness is measured by expectations. The NHL has created a world where coaches can challenge a goal and have them recalled for reasons that sometimes appear to defy logic. So that is the expectation that they have created. They then turn around and say, well... On this goal, we don't need the parallax view to explain it away. We don't need multiple camera angles or slow motion. This is an infraction that you all can plainly see with your own two eyes, but gosh, sorry, it's not reviewable. So this goal stands no matter what. That's infuriating. That that subversion of the expectations that they created is infuriating. And frankly, it's insulting to our collective intelligence. Call the goal back. Say, you know what, the refs on the ice missed it, but we see it, you see it, it's not a goal. I've seen some arguments already online saying, oh, well, if you do it in the playoffs, you have to do it in the regular season, and now you're going to have all these reviews, and you're going to slow the game down. You know what slows the game down? Waiting five minutes to try and figure out if a guy's skate was two inches offside from 90 feet away on a camera angle at a poor location. You know what doesn't take five minutes? Looking at the review of that goal and saying, hey, that's a hand pass doesn't take any time at all. You just wave no goal or you have a guy in Toronto say it's not a goal. I don't blame the refs, and frankly, it makes me incredibly uncomfortable to see them get blamed for this. Uh, Look, they missed it. It happens. Nobody's perfect. People are making mistakes. I was watching it in overtime the first time through. I had an uneasy feeling that something was wrong. I thought maybe it might have been a kick or goaltender interference. I couldn't quite tell. I didn't recognize it was a hand pass, and I get it. I'm not a ref. But... The issue, again, is not that they missed the call. It's the message not reviewable. It's, I don't know if it's lazy or smug or insane. Regardless, it's unacceptable. Get one of the two refs off the ice if you're going to acknowledge that refs and linesmen miss calls, which, incidentally, you have done by (laughs) instituting the review process. There's too many bodies on the ice anyway. Everybody's getting bigger and faster and blah, blah, blah. All those arguments. I've been saying it for years. If you're so committed to quote-unquote getting it right put one of the refs in the stands or the press box with an ipad or a buzzer make every goal reviewable by the people in toronto any goal that's scored just automatically review it no question in the war room not for things like was this guy's skate two inches offside you know 90 seconds before the goal was scored but for things like this the hand pass or the puck off the netting <laughs> in the king's game against detroit uh if the puck goes through the back of the net things like this things that the human eye might not catch in the moment, but that everybody can clearly see forever on replay. It's not that complicated. Just call it back. Anyway, that's my rant. (laughs) Now, uh, let's get excited about some young players in the Kings' future. Joining me now, play-by-play announcer for the OHL champion, Guelph Storm, Larry Millat. How are you doing today, Larry? Oh, I'm great, especially after that win on Sunday. Yeah, I want to congratulate you right off the bat uh, on winning the, uh, is it the J. Ross Robertson Trophy? That is it, and that trophy name uh, for fans in that territory probably wouldn't have a clue. J. Ross Robertson was the first president of the Ontario Hockey Association 
and that one dates back to 1899. So a trophy that's been around for a while. Yeah, quite a while. Um, before we get into the current season and the current players, um, for Kings fans who may not know, Dustin Brown and Drew Doughty, both alums of the Guelph Storm, you had a chance to watch them and call them. Any uh, fond memories of those two players? Drew Doughty was one of the most dominant players I've ever had the opportunity to watch and, and try to describe some of the things that he did with the puck. And Dustin Brown, just a hardworking character type of player, wasn't surprised to see him wear the C in Los Angeles there for a long time. So two pretty good storm uh, contributions <laughs> to Los Angeles, and I think you're going to love the two that are coming your way out of this team too. So when Dean Lombardi was constructing the team that wound up winning the Stanley Cup twice in three years, um, he did. He spent a lot of time uh, getting uh, captains, alternate captains, character guys, so much so that there was foolishly a point where we were wondering if there were too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, what can you say about the character level on this Guelph Storm team that just had, th what, three tremendous comebacks over the course of their playoffs to win the, the championship? They did so. They were behind uh, in three straight series, two games to none. And in the Ontario Hockey League, there had never been a team come back and win a championship after trailing two series, two games to none, much less three in a row. Uh, tons of character on the team. It's a, an older team by junior hockey standards, uh, 15, 19, and 20-year-olds. Uh, that's the oldest team they tell me in the Ontario Hockey League in the last 40 years wow. and just a, a lot of leadership 11 NHL drafted players and there will be a few more that will be picked up here in June as well Sean Dersey was traded to the storm this season we spoke to uh, the play-by-play -play announcer from the Owen Sound attack earlier and he said that he thought that Sean Dersey was the best power play quarterback in the OHL does that sound like an accurate statement well, one of the very best. It's too bad you couldn't have the other guy that he's been paired up with. Uh, he's an Edmonton draft pick, Dmitry Samrukov. He and Dersey have been the, the number one unit, the number one power play unit. And behind Nick Suzuki, who also came from Owen Sound, uh, who had 42 points and was the playoff MVP, Samrukov had 28 points. Dersey had 27 uh, Sam Rukoff has uh, a little bit more of a physical presence. Jersey is incredibly quick and a really fun pair to watch and to talk about. How many minutes a game does a number one pair defenseman play in the OHL? I think I've lost track of how many minutes <laughs> they would put in. It would be an exceptional amount. Although on this particular hockey team, they're gifted with six solid defensemen. And on that second unit is the other one who's going to wind up with the Los Angeles Kings and Marcus Phillips, whose game is a little bit different than Sean Dersey's. He's more of a guy who gets the job done very effectively in his own end, through the neutral zone, has a little bit of an offensive upside, but just a guy in the really uh, tough situations that you want out in the ice. How far away, uh, before we get to Phillips, how far away would you say Dersey is? I know he's, I think he's 20 years old. Um, or will he just be turning 20? Um, do you expect him to spend a few years developing, or is he right around the corner from cracking an NHL lineup? Well, as a general rule of thumb, you probably know that when these guys get signed, they get signed to a three-year entry-level mm -hmm. deal, and then their NHL teams really make up their minds during the course of that three years whether there's going to be a realistic chance for them to make the jump into the NHL. I wouldn't want to pin a number on it for either Dersey or Phillips, 
but I'd be extremely surprised if both are not on the L.A. defense at some point within the next two to three years. Uh, yeah, I mean, Jersey was drafted by Toronto in 2018. So to your point about the three-year entry level, he's had a few seasons um, not under contract, not on, on an ELC, but but it's been a few years since he was drafted. Um, obviously, In him- his case, he was a bit of a late bloomer. He wasn't drafted uh, initially in his first uh, year and then really started to come on strong. And that happens with kids at this age. I see it all the time where you think when they come into the league as 16- and 17-year-olds, how are they going to develop? And uh, in his case, the development came a little bit later. And does a does a run like this with all those comebacks with an overage team, as you said, one of the oldest teams in 40 years, is that the sort of thing that you think can help uh, add a little bit of edge to a maturing player? Like you said, maybe a guy like Dursey who uh, who was a late bloomer. I think absolutely it can. And, and now the next phase of this as they attempt to go for the Memorial Cup is just a tremendous experience. And, and whereas when you get if you get to the National Hockey League, you can have quite a few opportunities, or you hope you can, to win a Stanley Cup. You've got players that have won a couple of cups there in Los Angeles. In a junior hockey career, it's limited to a four- or five-year span to get the really big prize. That's the Memorial Cup, and the Memorial Cup name came after uh, the First World War, named in honor of uh, veterans from that war. Uh, but it's a tournament where, as opposed to a best-of-seven series, you, you can't afford too much in the way of a comeback. You've got to come out of the gate pretty fast and win. So it's a new experience and part of the process of uh, develop, uh, developing these guys and uh, maybe getting cold water running through the veins by the time it's all done. There's tons of players, I think, that have extended their careers based on the reputation they gained in the Memorial Cup. You know, it'll be eight, nine years into their career. They won't have panned out quite as well as everybody hoped, but everyone will go, ah, but he had that great tournament back in 94 or whatever it is. Um, Do you think that Dursey and Phillips have been good enough in their junior careers so far that it sort of doesn't matter how well they do or don't do in the Memorial Cup? I mean, are they cemented as top-end prospects moving forward? Oh, they are top-end prospects moving forward, but if you use that phrase that you just used there and you were talking to Gulf Storm fans, they'd say, hold on just a minute. We want the Memorial Cup to go get it. Uh, This is the sixth time the Gulf Storm in the last 25 years have been to the tournament. They've never won, and interesting to note, as close as they came was in 1998 in Spokane. And the current coach, George Burnett, was coaching for the first time. He'd later on coach, uh, an assistant coach with Anaheim, coached uh, the Edmonton Oilers briefly at one point, but lost in overtime in the final game there to the Portland Winterhawks. And uh, it's funny because you run into people you know from different teams all over the place in this game. Uh, Coaching the Spokane Chiefs, the host team that year, was Mike Babcock. And Babcock and George Burnett, went to McGill University in Montreal and played hockey together. My, McGill is the uh, the family school for, uh, for me. <laughs> my grandmother, most well, of my uncles, go. a bunch of cousins. Um, my little sister's middle name is, in fact, McGill, <laughs> named after that school. Um, look, as Kings fans, we want, the, you know, we want the best for our prospects. We want kids coming in with as much experience, as much leadership, as much winning in their past as possible. So we're obviously pulling for that. Um, Sean Dersey, six foot one eighty seven. Marcus Phillips listed at six foot one ninety something. I think um, Dersey a right hander. Phillips a left hander. You mentioned Phillips has 
more of an upside, but is he more of a, I don't want to say stay at home defenseman because that sort of mold is, is moving out of the game these days, but is he uh, less of a scoring threat and more of a support puck moving player then? I think that pretty much describes it. And a guy who is physically tough and hard to push off the puck when he Gets that puck, he protect, uh, protects it extremely well. You're talking two different games with uh, Sean Dersey. He'll fly up the ice with the puck. Uh, Marcus Phillips will protect it through the defensive and neutral zones and make a great first pass. So two players with different styles, but different styles that really work. Um, Sean Dersey traded to the Storm. Marcus Phillips traded to the Storm. How have they adapted to the room how have they incorporated into the you know into the i don't want to say community but into the the brotherhood the locker room the the uh i can't blanking on the the culture that's what we're for the culture of the team culture chemistry absolutely no problem whatsoever and i think it helped that actually there were four players that came from the own sound attack and the movement it wasn't only jersey and phillips it was nick suzuki who was going to play for the montreal canadians as early as next year i think the ohl mvp uh, playoff winner um and and uh, beyond that zach roberts these guys knew a few players on the storm hockey team as it was in fact, Phillips' roommate for Team Canada at the World Junior Tournament had been Mackenzie and Whistle, another addition to the lineup. And it was one of the things I looked at, too, because there was a lot of movement here. They brought in seven players uh, approaching the trade deadline, which in the Ontario Hockey League is January the 10th. So that was a question I had. Are all of these guys going to fit together as a team? Are there going to be egos bumping into each other? What's going to happen? And they really came together very rapidly, and the end result is they won a championship together. What would you say uh, if you had? I mean, this is an, an arbitrary scale, but if you had to rate uh, Dursey and Phillips as far as leadership or locker room presence or that sort of thing, would you rate them higher or lower? Extremely high. And people who are going to interview these guys in the future in the pro ranks are going to find two guys that are uh, very good at talking and doing interviews, very friendly, warm personalities, uh, just great people to know on and off the ice. And I know uh, one of the things I did within a few weeks of the trade was contact. You mentioned Fred Wallace, um, probably my best friend among the other broadcasters, as it turns out in the Ontario Hockey League. But I, I asked him to pass along a compliment to the Owen Sound people, including general manager Dale DeGray, on the quality of the young men that uh, they had sent to the storm, not only on the ice, but off the ice as well. Well, that's fantastic news for Kings fans. Larry, I want to thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. I've got to go catch a plane shortly, yeah. which I'm really looking forward to. Well, good luck in the Memorial Cup, and uh, you've got Kings fans rooting for you. Thank you very much. Joining me now, play-by-play announcer for University of Minnesota in Duluth, Bruce Siski. How are you doing today, Bruce? Very good, Jesse. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Let me start off by saying congratulations on uh, calling two NCAA uh, championships in a row. Thank you very much. It was certainly a thrill. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. Um, Kings fans <laughs> uh, will be particularly interested to know how Mikey Anderson did. Um, before we get into his play in the tournament and his future prospects, um, he was a fourth-round draft pick. Not that there's anything wrong with being a fourth-round draft pick. But what can you see in his development over the last two years 
that ha- has seen him go from being a fourth round draft pick to now being one of the higher rated prospects in the Kings pool. Um, you guys will see this as you get to know him. Mikey is, is extremely driven. Um, and I think, you know, if you look at the competition that he had growing up with his brother, Joey, and, and literally about everything that they did, um, I, I think that helped kind of mold both of them in, in different ways. But, you know, Mikey is, he knew, I think, what he needed to do in college. And he's worked on his skating a tremendous amount. It's made a difference. And and you look at the way he defends. And, and I said this in his freshman year, I thought, you know, one-on-one, there weren't a lot of guys that defended better than Mikey did in college hockey. And and that's saying a lot of an 18-year-old kid coming in. But, you know, he's got so much experience, you know, not just Division One. But playing in the World Juniors, playing in uh, national teams, he has you know two years of, of playing the USHL, which is a tremendous junior league. You know, for a guy who's 19 years old, that's a lot, and he certainly has learned a lot and gotten better developed in, ter- in, in, in as a result of playing in all those high level situations. I'm looking at his career accolades. He's got USHL All Rookie Second Team, USHL Second All Star Team, um, yeah. under 20 uh, bronze medal at the World Juniors. Uh, honorable mention for the all-star team this year in the, uh, in the tournament, what kind of defense, you know, you say he's a strong defender. Is he more in the quote unquote new NHL mold of defenseman where he's able to move his, his feet and use his stick to, to get the puck out of the zone more than he is, you know, uh, the, the old sort of nineties clog up the middle, big lumbering, you know, lay the wood type defenseman. Absolutely, he is. He's you know his stick is always in the right place. You know, and I think where where you saw the improvement as he grew at UMD was he was able to develop his skating ability to a point where it wasn't just his stick that was in the right place, but now he's fast enough and he's able to get to those those tight areas quicker. And he's now his body position is correct to the point that. He was just almost impossible for guys to beat one on one. That's <laughs> that sounds great. Um, we've been talking to um, uh, personal skills coaches and sort of exploring the future of the development of the game. And one of the things that fascinates me is the notion that the players are learning to use the top halves of their body and the lower halves of their body um, almost independent of one another. So the, the the positioning and the skating can take you one place but your peripheral vision and your stick can can have you effective in two areas. Is, do you see that kind of complete development of his game, or is there still room to improve? I think anytime you got a kid that's 19 years old, there's room to improve. Sure. Um, I do think from a vision standpoint, he, yeah, he did get a lot better. Um, and keep in mind, this is college hockey, and, and it's not the NHL. And, you know, I, I can I can give you all the superlatives about how much he got better. And he did. And I and I do believe and I said this, I, I said this during radio broadcasts last season. I believe Mikey Anderson is going to play in the NHL in the 2019-20 season. And, and I, I, I very strongly believe that at some point, if not the entire way, he's going to be a, a Los Angeles king. But, you know. Obviously, he's going to have to show up and, and, and show some things in training camp. And one of the things he's going to have to show is that he can handle the speed, the intensity level that you get at that next level because it's not what you had in college hockey. And But he did, again, like I said, you, you look at his experience, you rattle down out some of the accomplishments he's had and, and the accolades he's gotten his two years of college hockey. You know, 
he playing in the world juniors, it, it's not, it's a different level than college hockey. It would say it's a higher level, but it's a, certainly a higher intensity of those two weeks. That tournaments is so tremendous that it's, it's great hockey. And it's also a different pace than what you see in college hockey. And I thought he handled that very well. And that's what makes me think he can make this jump and make that adjustment to the NHL. His grandfather played, his father played, uh, his sister and his brother both play. How much do you think that'll help him when he finds himself in the NHL environment and in a training camp, having to do those things that, that young players have to do in order to become a professional? Does he have an advantage, given that his family is so involved in the sport? I think you know, athletic bloodlines certainly help. Um, the biggest thing, you know, Jesse, to me, is, is the, relationship, the relationship he has with Joey. And, and Lisa Dillman wrote about this at The Athletic uh, here the last week or so. You know, Joey kind of helped guide Mikey through his decision making. You know, when he decided to sign with the Kings, and I think you're going to see you're going to see Mikey kind of lean on Joey when it comes to you know that experience through the summer. What do you have to do to get ready? You know, Joey signed last year with the Devils not long after UMD season ended, and the Devils are still playing because they made the playoffs and they were in that first round series against Tampa Bay. Joey joined the Devils and at least got a taste of the, the practice intensity and the game intensity from sitting in the press box. Didn't get into a playoff game, but he got around that environment. And I think that helped him get himself ready for his rookie professional season. And the things he learned, he will pass on to Mikey, I do believe. And, and that's going to help Mikey when he gets to training camp in September for the Kings, be more ready for what he's going to experience there than maybe he would have been walking in the door as a rookie. Obviously, you need every guy on a roster pulling in the same direction to win a championship, let alone two. Um, but where would you place him as far as uh, being a leader or being one of the role players within the UMD program? I think he developed into, and I think Scott Sandlin, the head coach of, of the Bulldogs, would, would probably, in fact, I think he said this, I think Mikey Anderson, outside of the goaltender Hunter Shepard, was the MVP of this team. Um, you know, the work that he and Dylan Sandberg, who was a Winnipeg draft pick, did as the quote-unquote second defensive pairing, they were so consistent down the stretch, and, and they provided the Bulldogs with so much strong play at both ends of the ice. I think Mikey's offensive game in the second half really developed in part because of that, that chemistry he had with Dylan, but it, it was certainly a lot of the work that Mikey was doing along the way. He was great, especially down the stretch. And, and the Bulldogs had a couple injuries, including the, their standout offensive defenseman, Scott Prunovich, in the second half of the season. And when Bruni was down, Mikey stepped into that role as, as kind of a top, not a top offensive player, but he was able to step in on the power play and contribute and, and, and help the Bulldogs' offense tread water until Prunovich was able to come back. And then once Prunovich did come back, Mikey's offensive game didn't go away. He was great down the, through the tournaments, especially that championship game. And he, he had a couple of uh, – it's funny because I've heard scouts talk about his shots not that great. He had a couple of, of rocket shots both in, in the NCHC championship game against St. Cloud State and then in the national championship game against Massachusetts that were as good as any I've seen from him in two years. I've seen a few interviews with him. He seems – polished, well-spoken, intelligent, self-reflective, etc. How is he in the locker room? How is he around the media? And how is he in that? I mean, a college campus is obviously a completely different environment than uh, than you're likely to find in most situations. How is he with his peers um, and, and with the older generation and with the fans? I don't think I heard a single bad word about him in his two years in Duluth. And that's from fans. That's from you know, other parents. That's from coaches. That's from teammates. 
that's one of their media people. Everyone that, that dealt with him enjoyed dealing with him, whether it be a media person or a, a teammate or, or one of the staffers in the in the program. He was great to everybody. He always made time for us in the media. A very well-spoken young man and, and a guy that was never afraid to, to relay the things that he's learned along the way. And again, I go back to all those accolades you rattled off, he's learned a lot, and, and he's he's been very open about that. And, and he's he's got that humble to him, too, which is good, and I think he'll fit in very well in the professional environment. Comparisons between players are always kind of corny, and they're never perfect. Um, but having said that, is there any players that you would compare him to currently playing in the NHL? <laughs> I knew you were going to ask this, and I've spent a, I spent a couple hours this morning trying to figure that out, and I, and I, I you know, a guy like Jonas Brodeen with the wild, with his stick, you know, his stick's always in the right place. His body position's so good. And and maybe he's not going to wow you with offensive ability, but he has the ability to get the puck up the rink, good first passes, which lead to good exits, and that gets the transition game going, that gets the offense going. All those little things Mikey does really well, and, and I think he's going to be a great – like I said, I think he'll be a great fit in the locker room because he's such a humble – well-spoken young man that and he'll know his role immediately well he sounds like exactly the kind of player king's fans and king's management need right now bruce i want to thank you so much for joining me you betcha no problem and uh, best of luck to mikey and the kings of course you guys you guys already have a former bulldog in alex i follow so that's right you quite a bit up here in duluth Uh, perfect well best of luck to you next season without mikey anderson and thanks very much for uh for letting him have us or letting us have him (laughs) you 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 got it good luck all right thanks bruce